Mamas on a Mission is a podcast bringing you bold and ambitious women. Grab a coffee and let's meet Melbourne mamas who are showing the world and their kids that the mission is possible. I'm your host, Holly, the Chief Mama of Motherhood Melbourne. Hey, Mama. Man, are you in for a treat today? I've got a Melbourne Mama who is the real deal. And what I mean by that is she does not hold anything back. She's a walking definition of unfiltered on all things motherhood and her specialty topic, confidence. Yeah, you're going to hear from Erica Kramer, a confidence coach at the Queen of Confidence. Now, you might be thinking, huh, confidence coach? What the? It's not about standing up straight with the shoulders back or power posing. Nope, it's deep, real deep. Erica is on a mission to empower women to reclaim their relationship with self-confidence and stand in their fully expressed selves, which means she helps you get what you want and what you deserve. Erica runs an insane Creating Confidence Masterclass in Melbourne. I've been, and I can honestly say it was a defining moment for me, and also bring the tissues. But if you'd like to take it further, Erica coaches many mums like you one-on-one. Now, I need to give a little warning. If you happen to be listening to this podcast with little people around, Erica drops some bombs. You know, the F-bomb. Just that I tell you because I have a parrot, I mean toddler, that is going through that repeating words phase. Okay, so want to know what's coming up and if you should keep listening? Heck yeah, you should. In this episode, Erica takes us back to her past so you can truly understand what she's overcome. She also shares the common areas she helps mums in particular with. Plus, Erica breaks down how to stop giving a shit about what other people think. I'm pumped for you to learn from this incredible mama. Let's meet Erica. Hey, Erica. How are you going? Hello, Holly. Super excited. <laughs> Me too. I've been looking so forward to chatting with you. Yay. Awesome. Um, it's going to so be awesome. It will be. And <laughs> I guess you're known as Erica from America, but you yeah, yeah. are a Melbourne <laughs> mum now. So I, I need am. To, yeah, I need to test that out though. I need to really make sure. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. I like the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is your coffee order double shot piccolo lactose-free milk with one sugar stirred please what oh my god uh, i know <laughs> are you do they often what say to you could you please repeat that <laughs> i know well i go really slow because my husband does it too fast and then they forget the sugar i'm like you gotta slow it down so yes i go slow um it's it's a fancy coffee order now but it never was it's because i'm from melbourne <laughs> i know i know you, you've really embraced it <laughs> awesome yes. so where are you drinking this coffee like where i don't i can't even remember what your order is but something oh something my gosh <laughs> yes yes so i our favorite cafe that we love 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 is called 15 pounds and mm. it's in uh fairfield and it's the jam. But to be honest, I'm a mother, so I will have me some drive through McDonald's coffee in any little town or state that I am in. <laughs> oh, they're pretty good. I, I, I like that too. The convenience of drive through coffee is yes. brilliant. Yeah. And yes, what about it. where are you taking the family? What's your favorite family-friendly place in Melbourne? Okay. So as you know, sister, I keep it real. And at the moment... 
<laughs> because we're running, my husband and I both run our own business. We're really trying to maximize free Wi-Fi, doing work and kids running. So McDonald's playground has free Wi-Fi and the kids can hang out and I can baby wear and get shit done. So that <laughs> is kind of like, I kind of feel bad because I'm like, what a place to pick as a family friendly. But at the time of our lives right now, where we are hustling and business building, that's our family friendly place. <laughs> that's fine. Oh, oh my God. gosh. Yes. I and know. the playgrounds are quite insane there and they're free. So why it not? Yeah. yeah. So we don't eat there, but we definitely yeah. play and, you know, do work. <laughs> and then we head off. So it's, it's, it's been our place at the moment. We need to go to the zoo and the aquarium, but to keep it real, it's been McDonald's playground, to be honest. Yes, yes, you definitely <laughs> need to come to the zoo. You need to join my zoo crew. I know. I'm telling you, I love watching your stories. I'm like, this looks amazing. I think now my toddler's ready to enjoy the zoo, where mm. before when we took him, yeah. he's just like, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. And well, it was more for us. We don't even go really see the animals. Like very rarely do we see the animals when we're there, <laughs> even though we're there for like literally four or five hours every week. Um, it's more about, yeah, like, yeah, drinking some coffee, maybe playing near the meerkats. But oh, bit. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah outdoor nature. Mm, yeah, yeah catch up I have to go. Mind. I have to go. Awesome. And what about, <laughs> what are you currently binging on? What TV show, podcast or book? Oh my God. So I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to like brain stuff. And you guys will hear about this in the podcast listener, but I'm obsessed with Joe Dispenza um, at the moment. So anything I'm reading a book called breaking the habit of being yourself. Mm. And it's all about like neuroscience and how your mind and your brain and your thoughts create all your reality and like quantum physics. And because I'm like a yo-yo ghetto biatch from Boston, which we're going to get into, <laughs> I really love all that like nerdy science, like, you know, crazy theology stuff about mind and subconscious because I want to make it in the language that everybody can understand. Mm -hmm. So I'm obsessed at the moment. I listen to a lot of like coaching podcasts, but Joe Dispenza is my jam at the minute. He's blowing my freaking mind. So <laughs> yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's well, my current binge. I love like hearing that response from everyone that I've interviewed. It's so different to what I think they're going to say. So uh -huh. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I know. I'm like, oh, uh, that's my binge at the moment. I don't want you to me, but. Um, <laughs> as soon as Game of Thrones is back, though, that will be also the binge oh, as well. I just yes. gotta say. Game on. Yep. <laughs> and what about for you? What are you doing for your simple self-care ritual? How are you looking after yourself? So I think at the moment I've kind of embraced a bit of meditation because my husband is a serial meditator. And when mm -hmm. I say meditation, I keep it real. I don't mean like sitting on a mountaintop and bombing because we have kids. So it doesn't mm. work like that. Um, so for me, it's just... Being able to have like, you know, five or 10 minutes, I ask my husband to have the kids and I go into the room and I try to do like some deep breathing or I do it in my car when my toddlers are fucking losing their face and <laughs> screaming their heads off. And I'm like, one, two, three, seven breaths. So literally trying to make space in my mind because we're so busy and there's so much going on that there's no fucking space up there. So I'm yeah. Really trying to incorporate meditation, not in the way that I guess we know it, air quotes, meditation of like, um, you know, because yeah. we have kids. So just trying to be a little bit more like calm and relaxed in the moments of the cray cray, which are all the time. And mm -hmm. I've been doing that quite a bit now. And it's been really helping me not be so angry and reactive and like want to scream and choke my toddler, even though I kind of yeah. want to. I'm not doing that. 
It's yeah. great. It's good for my self-care, my <laughs> mental health. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I um I often lock myself in the bathroom and try to do that when the dog is moving it. I'm like, and he'll be banging on the thing. I'm like, mommy just needs to breathe. Like, just wait. I just want to kill you, so get <laughs> like, away. I'm yeah, gonna explode. Yeah. Like, just leave me alone. Let me get through this mm-hmm. moment. Um, but yes. yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, that's good that you're doing something. Just yeah, and it's just something yes. little like oh, God. we don't have time for it. something big, but no. Not right now. It's no, crazy. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for sharing all that. I think, you know, you've passed the test. You're definitely like a Melbourne mum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going back to America, Holly, that's for sure. No, okay, awesome. Well, I guess, you know, it's always good to know um, where you've come from, though, because it will help us understand a bit more about yes. you. So I'd love to yes. just dig deep. Um, and mm-hmm. I want to start off with a question where did you grow up and can you share some of those key experiences of your childhood that have led you to your current path? Oh, yes. Are you all ready for this? The mess, mm-hmm. no? <laughs> Buckle up. Um, so I grew up in a place called Framingham, Massachusetts, and basically it's about 20 minutes out of Boston. And I was born to a you know single mother who struggled really badly with bipolar. So she raised me. Um, my dad left when I was like two. I don't really remember much of him. And then from two until I was 16, I was in and out of foster homes. So that was basically my mom would get sick. She'd become, you know, ill mentally and she would physically abuse me because she wasn't, she's got a chemical imbalance. And so she wouldn't know what she was doing, but she would totally lose her shit. And the neighbors would call the police. She would get arrested. I would get arrested. I would end up in a foster home. She would end up in a mental hospital. And this kind of went on and on until I was 16. So I guess the background and how I grew up, the experiences, I had a lot of physical abuse. I had a lot of um, sexual abuse, unfortunately, in the foster care system. And then with my mom's partner that she got down the track. Um, when I was seven, my mom and I went to Puerto Rico with her boyfriend and we got into a really crazy car accident. She didn't take her medication. And so we were driving in the hills of this place in Puerto Rico and our car like hit this massive tree that was, thank goodness it was there because there was this big like cliff ditch with like a river and we would have totally died. But we ended up hitting this tree and our car flipped like three times. And at seven years old, we, you know, she's mentally ill. And I don't know this because I was seven. We're walking around. We don't know where the hell we are. And literally we walked for days and nights and days and nights. And it was like three days. Our shoes broke. Um, We slept on porches, in bushes, in people's cars. Like all this crazy shit happened in Puerto Rico that like literally my mom and I talk about it when she comes to Australia. And we're like, what the fuck did that all happen? Like, we think it's ridiculous. We like... I don't know. It was just, it felt like a, a crazy movie. We definitely, I'm writing a book for shows. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the experience of Puerto Rico was really full on. And then when my mom got sick, I mean, when she was sick there, the police finally found us and took her into the hospital, took me away. And my dad ended up kidnapping me from where I was and kept me in Puerto Rico for like a year. So remember he left <gasps> when I was two. I don't know him. And I used to scratch his face when I was like four and five years old on pictures because I knew he was my dad, but I didn't like him because he had left me. And my mom was like, no, he's your dad. And then he ended up kidnapping me. So I was there for a year. And the beautiful thing about that is that I learned how to speak Spanish there. I learned about like my Puerto Rican culture and our Christmas traditions and all that. And then a year later, he gave me back to my mom and she fought through being back in Boston, you know, with the system to get me back. So I'm back, then the same shit, you know, more foster homes, her getting sick, more foster homes. So it was just this crazy 
upbringing of me living with random strangers and I loved living with the strangers and the kids. Um, but dealing with like the sexual abuse and figuring out who the hell I was because I went to all the different homes that my town had. So I went to all the different schools. So I was the new girl at every school and, you know, I love people. And I think part of me loving people has to do with the fact of how I grew up. So, um, I guess so, so different cult, like I would live with Asian people, black people, white people, Spanish people, um, white people, different. I just had a crazy different environment upbringing. So I really feel like that kind of made me this person who loves different people. And I talk to strangers all the time. And, you know, so that was kind of the background of where as a child I came from. And then at, um, at 16, uh, I said to the foster care system, listen, um, I'm going to be fine. My cousin's going to look after me. And my cousin was over 18 and she did not live nearby, but I told them she was going to look after me. She told them she would. And I ended up staying on my own and paying bills and doing money orders and paying for rent. So I was like a 22 year old when I was 16 and looking after the house while my mom was away. And then at 17, I joined the army and I said, mom, I'm going to join the army. I'm going to move to California. I'm going to go be an actress. And I didn't know that I was subconsciously trying to get the fuck away from my whole environment and like go as far away as possible. So it's like Melbourne to Perth, you know, the other side of America. Mm. And, you know, she signed the documents and said, okay, you want to do this? Fine. And I knew she was going to get sick because it was just me and her. And so me leaving, she was going to feel sad and get ill. And she got sick. I ended up joining the army at 17 and I went to boot camp my senior year of high school. And in the middle of boot camp, uh, 9-11 happened. So I'm in boot camp, a month in boot camp. Like, yeah, I just went for college because I thought I was going to go to college, Holly. I thought I was going to go to college for marketing and I loved that so much. So I didn't have any money because I sucked ass at school. You can imagine my upbringing. I was horrible. I was the social butterfly with the F in gym and the F in math and the F in every class and barely graduated high school. So I didn't have any you know, grades to get me in. And my mom is poor, still very living poor in America now. So I didn't have the money. So I was like, oh, I'll go to college from the army. So everybody that joined the army before the war in our country was like people that wanted to go to school or travel, you know, have those experiences. We didn't join to go fight in Iraq. So halfway through boot camp, one month in, they put us in this room and they turn a TV and we're like, oh my God, we haven't seen a TV in a month. And the second tower was getting hit. And we were just like, is this looking around like, is this for real? Is this a war movie? Like, what is this? And it was real. And it, after that, the game really changed in the military in America. And I think everywhere. And the game really changed for us in boot camp because they weren't only being mean and yelling at us like drill sergeants. They were also really careful with how they taught us how to shoot a gun or how they taught us how to dig a hole. And very like, shit, we're sending these kids to war. And it was a totally different experience. And so from there, I was like, oh, God, I might go to war. That's fine. <laughs> but ended up coming out of boot camp. And my boyfriend at the time, he was my high school sweetheart. We got together when we were 16. He had joined the Marines. So we had this secret plan. We weren't going to tell our family in Boston that we were going to move to California together. So he was out in California, locked down, couldn't do anything. He's like, listen, babe, I think I'm going to have to go to Iraq. I think they're going to send me to war. And we were just like, what the hell is going on? I mean, this happened in a flash of a moment. So we finished boot camp. We ended up having Christmas as a family. And then they took him to the airport. And I was like, I'm going too. And his family and my mom were like, what? And we're like, yeah, we're moving to California like right now. See you guys. And so we didn't tell anyone. We just ended up leaving. And we were in California. I was in California. I was 19. And he went to Japan for a while, came back. He ended up saying, I am going to Iraq now. And we don't know how long. And the Marine Corps goes first and comes back last. I was in the army. It's a little bit softer than the Marine Corps. So he's like, we need to get married. 
and we're just going to get married. We're not going to tell anyone because they won't give you information as a girlfriend and you can't come on the base and you won't know where we are and we won't be able to contact each other. And I was like, I don't want to get married like this. Like I want a big JLo wedding and like have a big, you know, beautiful dress. And I'm like, what? This is insane. So basically we got married at 19 years old in the freaking 29 Palms, California, which is like Death Valley in some random ass church with one of our friends. And we got married and I'm like, this is crazy. So we were married and he went off to Iraq. And I was Mrs. Lopez, which is kind of what I want to be because I love J-Lo. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm Mrs. Lopez like J-Lo. And he went to Iraq. And, God, he was in Iraq for, like, 11 months. And I was on the base living, doing random-ass jobs, um, living on the base waiting for him and not doing anything that I wanted to do. Never didn't really get to do my acting, didn't really get to do any of that, and just waited as a military wife. And then he came back, thankfully. And we um, ended up moving to Florida. So then I was like, listen, we've been at war. We moved to Florida. And then in Florida, this is where everything kind of happened for us. We, I started, um, I said, I'm going to do full-time army so that you can go to school. So I was very giving, very nurturing as women are. It's all about other people all the time. As mothers are, we give so much and then we're not getting full. So the whole time in California, nothing I wanted to do, I was doing. Then we moved to Florida and I, again, said, I'll work full time in the army, nine to five in my combat boots and you can go to school and not work. And then one day we went off um, to this club and we were drinking and driving because in Florida, it was the thing to do. I was 23 idiot and we're drinking and driving and we get in the car and I'm like put your seatbelt on husband and to his friend put your seatbelt on in the front and I'm in the back like hanging out in the middle watching for some weird reason like I was going to protect everyone even though I was drunk and we were all drunk and I didn't have a seatbelt so we all fell asleep at the wheel and we ended up going 260 kilometers an hour in the fast and the furious car like Mitsubishi Evo it's got the big wing at the back carbon fiber this car has no chips so it goes all the way maximum speed and we all fell asleep in fifth gear driving down one of the busiest streets in Orlando Florida and it was like 2 a.m and so what happened was we ended up passing our house and I woke up and I'm like oh my god we passed the house as soon as I woke up I just saw black like my whole view of the street tilted and went black so we had hit a ditch we flipped backwards so boot first we hit a van, the van pushed us into a tree, then we hit a, a milk bar, and I was ejected out, and I oh. landed halfway on the wing, yeah, out of the, because I had no seatbelt on, so I was ejected out of the back seat, I broke the whole back windshield, and I ended up going 25 feet in the air, according to the doctor who did my surgery, because he said that's how far high you would have had to go to break your back, how you did, and I landed on the wing, you know those wings, those cars that have those yeah. big ass carbon fiber wings, I landed on the wing, broke the wing, and then, and then half of my body was in the van. So helicoptered us out. It's ridiculous. I think about it and go, holy shit, thank God that I made it out of there. And I'm 20, I was 23. So the healing is much easier than when you're 40 and this happens to you. So I had fractured my back in, I don't know how many places. Um, they had to helicopter me out. My husband had suffered a coma. So he was in a coma for 12 hours. His head was huge. It looked like he was a balloon. Like he, he had smashed into the brick wall milk bar. So his brain got swollen and his head swelled. And he was in a coma. Thank God he was alive. His friend just had a fractured rib. This dude got out so luckily. And the seatbelt had saved them, you know? So I wake up in the hospital with, with someone cutting my jeans with silver um, scissors. I could feel the cold silver scissors cutting my jeans. And 
girl, back in the day, we didn't have money and $80 jeans were expensive. Yeah. And they kind of are still now, if I'm, if I'm honest, right? Yeah. So I had my jeans, my, they were like my favorite jeans, Holly. And I'm in the hospital and I feel someone, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Don't cut my jeans. And I open my eyes and I'm in the hospital in major shock. And I'm looking around, there's people everywhere. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Who's cutting my pants? And I hear my husband in the corner, like screaming and spitting and yelling at people. And he was drunk and I was drunk, but I had like come back to life after this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that he's yelling at you. Oh my God, I'm so sorry that this is happening. And it was just like, what is going on? And they found my military ID and they called the military people, you know, so all this stuff happened. So I broke my back in many places, had to have rods and things put in and had to learn how to walk again out of the hospital. And from there, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not living. I need to start living. So I started modeling. I started doing like music videos with like Pitbull and all these Spanish reggaeton people in Miami, titties and booties and bikinis. And like, that was my thing. And then the following year, my husband went off drinking and driving again, which we hadn't done. So this was ridiculous. Like we hadn't drink and drove in the whole time. Cause obviously we almost died. And he ended up uh, on the 5th of May. Well, the, it was the 6th of May at 1am. He ended up crashing into a plane ditch. There was nothing there, Holly. And his car flipped. He had no seatbelt and he was internally bleeding and just ended up passing away. <gasps> and I didn't know about it. Yeah. So I didn't know about it until, I had to go to the army weekend. I left. He wasn't there. I'm like, where's Gio? I don't know where he is. Ended up all day. I couldn't find him. It was raining. And I'm like, where's my husband? I haven't heard from him. And I told my boss, I have to go. I don't know where he is. We had a party at home. He shouldn't have left. He did. I can't find him. So ends up, I'm at the hospital and they're like, I'm sorry. He's, you know, he didn't make it. And I'm like, I don't even know that he's here. What do you mean he didn't make it? And it took me a second to figure out that I was literally going insane. And yeah, he passed away. And so, you know, we'd been married for five years. We'd been together seven years. Nobody knew we were married until he died. So I had to organize everything. His family was angry. I had to fly back to Boston. It was this whole crazy mess. And then finally, yeah, it was horrible. And, and then finally, I just, for me, I just had to delete it because I couldn't deal. I, I could not deal. It was my, it's till this day, the biggest thing I've had to go through. And I only worked it when I came to Australia and I, had, and I saw a life coach myself. That's the only time I was able to actually clear it. So he passed away and I just got into a series of stupid, bad relationships, trying to fill the man void. Didn't, I was just really fucked. I was numbed out. And then I met a guy in Las Vegas, as you do, who was from Australia. And I ended up moving to Australia and selling everything. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll just go to Australia. So I'm like, delete, delete. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm pushing everything under the, under the surface and not wanting to deal with it and came to Australia and moved here and ended up, you know, I was a hairdresser. So I ended up working for his hair business. He was a total a-hole. God bless you, Paul, but he wasn't good for me. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to leave Australia and see a boomerang and a kangaroo and think Australia sucks ass. So I'll stay. And I stayed and I ended up getting a job here and getting my visa. I met another man who also didn't work. And then I met my husband, who was my PT. And he was just like divine. We became friends. We got married. We got babies. And that's kind of like Sorry, that's a long story, but I think it's important because yes. people go, oh, you're the queen of confidence and you're so confident. And it's like, no, like all this crazy shit has made me who I am. And when I came to Australia, I got to really unpack my entire life. It was messy. It was hard, but I got to really reclaim my confidence and reclaim my life and change my story and learn from all of those experiences. My gosh, Erica, <laughs> firstly, <laughs> I am so sorry um, to hear about your first husband. I, I yeah. didn't know that he had passed away. Um, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I've just got goosebumps. You've had such an incredible 
life, but it's all led you to be this amazing person. And like you said, people see on the surface level might think, oh, wow, you know, so many fabulous things have probably happened to you to lead you to become, you know, the queen of confidence. But, you know, it's just a series of so many life experiences and lessons and how you've moved forward because, you know, you could have moved forward in a completely different direction. Um, after going through all of that so thank you thank you for being so open and honest I yeah oh my gosh I really have goosebumps but yeah I think I think it is you're right it's like the choice of I could have totally been a druggie I could have been pregnant at 14 like with my just with the foster home stuff Mm. and I yeah there was there was definitely a shift in in what was going on for me and something bigger greater was pulling me along you know that's I don't have like a religious belief, but something was like, Hey, that's not for you yeah. and different decisions. So definitely. And I think that the, the, the key is how I became this now is like being able to see it and work on that. Because if not, I would just be a victim of my circumstance. And of course I would be, I mean, look at all the circumstances, you know? Yes, absolutely. So what, what yeah. do you feel led you to the point of then deciding with all that life experience? Um, and I know that you've probably gone through a lot of self-development, um, yeah meant that you were ready then to help other people and how we how did you start doing that um I think I think like a lot of my clients that come see me once you learn I went and I met my my husband's best friend was a coach and she was like a clairvoyant so she was a bit spiritual Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any experience of spirituality but fear like if you know how to do weird stuff you must be a devil person or some witchy person so it was like a fear that I had so Mm -hmm. she was a clairvoyant and she's like I'm a life coach coach and I do spiritual stuff like chakras and all this and I'm like oh my god so I'm in the session going is this voodoo bitch lady gonna do some weird shit to me am I gonna like you know I was freaking out but I felt the need that I needed to talk to someone about my stuff and therapy what I did therapy for 19 years and it was not helpful for me you know it's helpful for some but for me it wasn't so I just got a vibe from her and I thought I need to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And so I met with her and we started doing a lot of work. And like a lot of my clients, once you start getting your awareness and you start seeing what's happening, you get excited. And then you want to share it with people like, like anything you want to share things with the people that you love. And so I really started realizing that if I can be free from all of my stuff and all of my story, then I could help others do this. And I started seeing people that, um, I was in a, me and my husband joined this business program, ended up being a cult. That's a whole nother podcast. But anyway, um, we, we met these people and we were in this, in this cult thing and people would be like, oh, you look so nice. You look so nice. And I would always dress up really nice and wear chunky necklaces. And I really did look after my look after my back accident. That was what helped me. And they were mm-hmm. like, are you a stylist? And I'm like, no, but I should be. So I tried to make a business and I became a stylist. And so when I became a stylist, I realized that women really needed to feel good externally in order to take good actions that made them, you know, when you feel like you look good, you take feel good actions and then you feel better and then your results are better. So I was really focused on the external beauty and started styling people. Then I realized through styling people that they still had something else that was missing and it was the internal confidence and the internal acceptance. So I started marrying the two and doing workshops. And I was like, oh, I can do workshops instead of doing one-on-one you know, and I didn't know anything about business, even though I was in this bloody group, I didn't know a damn thing. I wasn't paying attention clearly. And I was like, I could do groups of women instead of talking one-on-one and all of us could learn through each other. And we just, I just started creating these workshops, creating uh, styling confidently. And that's when I saw that the confidence inner talk stuff was way more powerful than the styling. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. And all the stuff I learned, I had spent 
$45,000 to this day or 50,000 on personal development, business development and, and, and coaching for myself and seminars. And I'm like, man, I can help people. I can really help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- I was doing the styling and then it shifted just in January, Holly, literally I look back and I'm like, just in January was when I said no more styling this year. I was like, no more styling. I'm canceling my styling event. I'm just going to do confidence, you know, and it back in the day, it would have been ridiculous to have a confidence masterclass. No one would have rocked up, but now people want this. Women want to know how mm-hmm. to be more confident. And I, I was like, I'm doing this. So we, we stepped in and I said, fuck it, let's do it. And I put it out there. And of course women came and now it's, it's, I'm literally, I've tripled my business within this year. I had a three month old baby when I started, I did one event every two months and it's just gotten so much like the universe is like, this is the right way. This is the right way. You know, here, here, here's everything you want fast. So I really feel like I'm on the right track now to be able to help women. And I just focus on, you know, confidence because that's inner, inner love, inner self, inner acceptance. Cause that's really what I can say I've mastered. I don't know anything else about how to make a million dollars, how to raise fucking kids. I'm fucking that up real bad, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, I know about the confidence stuff because of the whole story and background. So that's yeah. kind of how I was like, I really want to help women, you know? And can I say for people that are listening that your confidence masterclass is the best thing that I've ever done for myself. Oh, that makes it me so, was so amazing. Um, I did cry river though when I was there. <laughs> and yes. I just I think I think what you need to say to people is that afterwards they're not allowed to go home. They actually need to just sit somewhere in that, you know, Great. by themselves and process it all. Yeah, um, yeah. There was so That's much a great and I idea. Think, yeah, and you just really like made us dig deep in that class mm. and mm. you know, probably face things that we just really, really didn't want to and needed to in order to get over it. Um totally. so if anyone's yeah. listening, you need to check out Erica's uh confidence masterclass. It is the most amazing thing you'll ever do for yourself. But to oh, help people you. understand what it is you do, I would love you to talk a bit more about what is a confidence coach and why would someone need one? Okay. So a confidence coach is just, and I made this name up because I'm, I'm a life coach is um, someone who helps you with your life to live a better life, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and it encompasses so much. And I think the part of me, as you can probably imagine, one of my top values is communication and integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really want to keep it real with who I am and stay in the lane that I fully know and master. And I've, I've, I think I've seen so many life coaching is not a regulated industry and it's good, but it also is bad because you've got people that read a book and all of a sudden want to coach you and they mm-hmm. haven't sorted their shit out. You know, so I really was like, I, what can I help people with? And what can I talk about that? I have said, I fully feel a hundred million thousand percent in my body that this is my jam and I've done this and I feel like I embody this in my life and that's a big thing to say for yourself a big statement but I know I'm like confidence is my jam like I don't give a fuck what people think about me I don't need a validation from people I'm like I am fully expressed as I am and I and I wanted to help people do that so a confidence coach is basically a life coach who focuses just on the self-confidence portion. So not a competence builds confidence. I'm not teaching women a skill of like how to, you know, drive a car. I'm teaching the skill of how do you accept yourself for who you are today as you are? And how do you go for everything you desire that you want in your life and creating that for yourself instead of taking the fucking scraps when you can have the buffet instead (laughs) of, you know, um, you know what I mean? Instead of agreeing. So it's all about, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm like, 
I'm like, let's go for what you truly desire. And that's a fluffy fucking term that you hear coaches like, what do you life that you desire? You know, a Marie Forleo, a business and a life you love. And I know what she means. It sounds fluffy tagline, but it's like a lot of people are in jobs, relationships, mm-hmm. um, bodies that they hate. They don't want to be in, but they feel they have to air quotes. And it's like, what the fuck? Like you're alive. You're breathing 2 million people per day. Do not wake up to live. And you have a fucking a heartbeat and you're going to go for the scraps. Like you're already winning the fact that you're awake and you're alive Mm -hmm. today. Why not go for all that you desire? So uh, a a confidence coach is helping you to stand in who you are today to, you know, um, go for what you want to be fully expressed. doesn't mean you tell people to fuck off, you know, but Mm -hmm. it means that you stand for what you believe in and stop people pleasing, stop trying to compare yourself and judge yourself to other people and just be who you are in the moment. And that's really for me, you know, you need one. If you lack your, your own confidence, if you're in your head about how shit you are, you know, if you are procrastinating to do the things you want to do. So that's really kind of what confidence coaching encompasses for me. I'm not here to teach people other things. It's that that's, that's, and, and as a, as a byproduct, of course, your relationships get better. Of course you make more money. Of course your business is better, but I'm not focused on, I'm a business person or I'm going to help you have better money. Or my thing is like the inner self-confidence because everything comes from us, everything you create. Yeah. And so with your classes and with your coaching, you obviously would attract a lot of mums. Um, is that what you yes. found? Yeah. 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 And yeah, so totally. From your experience, what are the common areas that you're seeing mums in particular are lacking confidence in? So many of the mums are mum guilting, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like this thing that's, uh, it's the norm now. It's almost cool. It's almost like, yeah, you know, I'm just so, I'm just not a good mom or, you know, I just, I'm fucking this up or, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't make the food for them or I'm not, it's this mom guilt thing and it's the comparison. So we, I feel like a, a lot of the mums that come and, and I just did a questionnaire and I got all, I snapshotted all these women that told me the areas they lack confidence in and literally I want to say like over 50% of it was internal guilt of self. I'm not good enough a mom. I'm not good enough uh, with my kids. I don't do enough for them. I don't do enough as a family. So it's the inner guilt of being a mom and that you're sucking at it. The other side is the body, the image, you know, my body, my mom body. And I'm, and I, you know, that postpartum body shock that we get. And it's, it's crazy because we we're so hard on ourselves about how we're supposed to look. And so I get a lot of that, the physical kind of body and then the purpose. Who the fuck am I? What am I doing? I just raise kids all day. I don't know who I am in the world. What am I supposed to do? Uh, Mm -hmm. I should be greater than what I am currently. And that confusion of, you know, is this right? And then lastly, self-care. So self-care going, I don't do enough for myself. And that's also almost become a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I just need to do more, but you know, I don't because the kids and being busy, being busy, being busy. And I'm like, busy is bullshit. Like we need, you have to put your mask on. You have to attend to Holly because if Holly's not okay, if mama's not okay, the whole house is not okay. And that's a true statement. You know, when you're not okay, everybody suffers, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) you're all getting in trouble because mom's not good. And yeah, so I think those are the four main areas that really with that I see that we're lacking confidence in as mothers. Yes. And thank you. Uh, Earlier in the year, you wrote a piece um, about embracing your postpartum body and it was so amazing. I'll I'll have to put that in the show notes as well and link to it. But it was just like, when I read it, I was just like, oh my goodness. Yes. You're just saying the (laughs) truth. Like you were just like, uh, just say goodbye to it. It's actually like your pre-kid body. It ain't coming back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know, really 
like value what it actually has done. Yeah. 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 And it's hard because it is, it's, we're very physical, you know, we and are, yeah. what we're giving a lot of attention to social media, TV, we're getting brainwashed with how we're supposed to look. And then it doesn't match our reality. And we're like, what the hell's going on? Something's wrong with us. And it's, it's like, it's like me saying, do you walk upside down on the fucking, on the ceiling? No, Holly doesn't do that. <laughs> Nobody fucking does that. We're like, why aren't you doing that? We're all doing that. It's like, no, no one does that. That's not normal for you to be a size, you know, two sizes down after having a child. Like what's normal is to have a saggy ass tummy with skin. Like it's, cra- it's crazy. So really getting the normalcy back and, and understanding. And that's why I so, so much so talk about how much motherhood can suck and how hard it is because mm-hmm. you know it's it's hard i mean in australia we've got the number one cause of suicide is maternal death mothers are killing themselves because we're so depressed and so isolated and no one's not no one but we're feeling like we're the only ones we're yeah. feeling like we're fucking it up and it's like honey i am i'm fucking it up all the time don't worry you're not alone but you feel so alone you know you do yeah and you, you yeah. do because everyone's just sort of putting on this you know, like that everything's perfect and they're doing all the things. It's like, yeah. well, you're probably feeding your kid packet like stuff as well. Yeah. Like, can you just be honest and totally. say, that I am make organic homemade stuff. Like, I know. I don't Hell no. I don't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not eating organic. No way, man. You know, it's just, it's crazy. We don't yeah. have to know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I guess on that notion of like, you know, that feeling judged by others like I really yes. love that you're a big advocate for not giving a shit what others think and you know yeah. that's a really great way to actually move forward and you yeah. know grab those things that you do want in life but so if yeah. there's a mum listening and she's feeling really overwhelmed by judgment of either her mothering style or her choices uh, yeah. what, what advice do you have for her to sort of get back to her own I guess listening to her own intuition and style yeah yeah, that's a really good one. And I'm going to be a bit, a bit controversial here, mm. which this is my style, but, um, <laughs> first and foremost, I, and I'm like, I have this really big thing about judgment. And the reason mm. I say it is because I myself have experienced it. So I know it to be true. Um, personally, not only like scientifically in studies, but like I have experienced it and I'm like, Oh fuck, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. Are y'all ready? Let's get ready to swallow it. If we have issues with judgment, it is only because so much of us has been judgmental towards others. Yeah. And that's the whole fucking thing about judgment. And it's hard because I want to say a little disclaimer. I don't think that consciously we're walking around going, oh, look at that lady. She's such a terrible mother. I can't believe she feeds in packet food. Oh, what a lazy bitch. I don't think we're consciously doing this, right? Yeah. But what happens is if, if you have a fear of your kid acting crazy, let's say at McDonald's while you're trying to have a coffee with your girlfriends, let's just say, you know, and you're like, oh my God, my kid's looking crazy. Everyone's going to think he's a psycho and I'm a bad mom and I'm going to have to yell at him. And that's embarrassing because I shouldn't yell at him. I should really act like I'm a school teacher and be like, honey, we don't do that. But I really want to go, motherfucker, get off the table. What are you fucking doing? Right? So we don't want to do all that, but that's all happening in our head. And I'm saying it from experience. But the reason we care so much is because when we're out, we may see that ourselves or pre-kids may have seen it and went, yeah. damn lady, get your motherfucking kid under control. What are you doing? But now that we're mothers, we know that that's impossible to do. We know that mm-hmm. they're doing normal things. But that judgment that we have towards other people, if we don't catch it and become aware of it, then all we're doing is subconsciously judging people. So that when we're out in the world doing our thing in public, of course you feel every eye is on you judging you because you know what that feels like because you have done it. And you only 
you know, if you spot it, you got it. Like you can only see it because you know what you've done it yourself. So that's part one. And I know it's hard to swallow that. And women are like, I don't judge. Yes, you do. I do. We all do, honey. It's part of being a human condition. It's a contract you, you signed as to come down and be a human. So we judge. So it's number one, catching that you judge and going, oh shit, I was just about to judge that mother for yelling yes. at her kid at, you know, big W because you know, you're going to judge if you yell at the kid and you're going to judge if you go, oh, that kid's out of control. She should get him in control. Get the fuck out of here. You don't know what she's going through. So number one, mm-hmm. kill the judgment. And number two, ask yourself, whose advice is it that you're trying to listen to? This has to do a lot with people pleasing. And mm-hmm. we have so much stuff around people pleasing with our, our parents or, you know, our mother's group. Like, you know, the mother's mother's group is a great opportunity for you to fuck your, like for you to just break down and cry and say how horrible motherhood is and how you're not coping because that effect will show other mothers that they can do it too. But instead we rock up to mother's group trying to be all sorted and cute. And then the mother who's broken doesn't feel like she trusts you or any of us in that group to break down and have a cry. And then she goes home and is suffering from postnatal depression instead of like be vulnerable is what I'm saying. You're, yeah. you're, the best way to kill that is be vulnerable, reach out and say, listen, I am fucking this up right now. I don't know what I'm doing. Cause guaranteed, if you say that to me, I'll be like, babe, me neither. I just yelled at my toddler and the fucking baby. And I shouldn't have, I lost my shit, you know, and it builds connection. Vulnerability builds intimidation. I mean, sorry. Um, perfection builds intimidation. It really creates mm-hmm. intimidation when you're trying to get it right. And then vulnerability is the bridge to connection, is the bridge to more vulnerability. So I think look at who you're around and who you're talking to and then question whose opinion it is. If your mom's giving you an opinion or your friend that has no kids, just <laughs> really look at them. Like you and your mom don't have the same beliefs. You don't have yes. the same structure. So why would you take her advice and feel, you know, like, oh my God, I'm messing this up. I should do what she said do you really want to go into their beliefs and do what they want to do? Or do you think that the way you're going is going to give you a better result? Cause it's your kid and your kid chose you to be their mom. You know what I mean? So yes. yeah, I really just think that number one, check your judgment. Number two, really figure out who you're listening to and, and put them up against, you know, your beliefs. Do they believe what you believe? Are they Steiner moms or are they Montessori moms or are they public school moms? It's going to make a fucking difference if you're trying to put your kid in a public school and you're speaking to a Steiner mom, you know, maybe that's not your value. Maybe you don't want to have a Steiner kid, you know, so it's like, well, maybe don't ask the Steiner mom what she thinks about schooling because she's going to come with that lens and you have a lens of public. So find a public school mom to talk about that with. Don't ask your mom shit when it comes down to how to raise your kids. If you and her didn't mesh well with that, like we didn't baptize Mm -hmm. our kid because. We don't want to do that. I don't want my kids to go, why do we get baptized? You motherfuckers don't go to church. Oh, because your grandparents wanted us to do that. Yeah. Like, I would hate to tell my kid that. Now I'm teaching my kid, you need to please me and do what I want when you become a parent. Like, what? It's crazy. So it's very scary because it's not the way we're used to doing it, but it will help you when you start to look at it. Oh my goodness. Erica, every time I speak to you, I feel like I just learn so much and you just break <laughs> everything down and it makes sense. And I like I hope it, it makes sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I like that. Like catch yourself judging other people and just cut it out. I love I yeah. love that. Because you do and that's like huge. I think Yeah. And you, you yeah. sort of do it without meaning to do it. Of course. Um, of course we do. It's not the, purposeful. We're not assholes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And oh gosh, uh, isn't the pre kid judgment? That you just want to slap yourself, don't you? You just want to go back oh there. Oh my god! Don't like, think wow. that about any. I mom. know you don't know what yep. they're going through. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah. And motherhood's an initiation. So as soon as you, I was very judgmental about like, you know, having a C-section and having the epidural and blah, blah, blah. I was going to have a home birth with my first and then ended up with all the drugs that the Royal Melbourne, you know, whatever hospital had and none of them worked, ended up with the induction, ended up with the cesarean. And then the second baby was a fucking home birth that I just homed out and he came out (laughs) and it was perfect and calm. So it's like, you can't, you can't fight with force. You have to allow and surrender and you don't know what other people are going through. And I think Mm. one of the biggest things too, with, with the judgment of others is, and I put this in your, you guys have to check out the blog because I wrote, I I could have written 25 things on how to love your post baby body, but with the blog, we, we, we wrote something about what you give your attention to. So if you follow, if you watch, and I know I always say this and I, I don't care, I just can't handle the freaking, you know, what's that show married at first sight or, you know, the bitchy, the bitchy reality TV. And I know it's funny. And we're like, yeah, we're just zoning out. We're just numbing out and watching TV. And that's cool. And it's like, it's cool. But what happens is we are so conditioned. Like you were born as a, as a woman, as a girl, you're supposed to like pink, Mm -hmm. you're from Australia, whatever it is that we've been conditioned with. Your parents gave you a script as you came out and said, Hey, Holly, here's who you need to be. And you don't realize this until you start growing up and you don't agree with things. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, Oh shit. So knowing that you're already preconditioned and then you decide to sit in front of a television and watch a reality TV show where they make someone the villain, they make someone pretty, they make Mm -hmm. someone ugly, they make someone this, then you start watching it. And by default, you go into negative mindset. You go into going, that bitch with the black hair and the big lips. I can't believe she tried to kiss him. And And then all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden it happens to me. Like if I pick up a, a, a trashy magazine, of course I give a shit about how big Kim Kardashian's ass is. And I can't believe she's sleeping with this basketball player and that like, I don't give a shit about that. But when I pick that magazine up, I enter that world. And then I allow Mm. that to become my thought process. So then when I start thinking out in the real world, I see a lady, then I start nitpicking her, start nitpicking myself, start nitpicking what everybody's doing because you're, you're, you're letting that come into your attention. What you give attention to is huge because it starts to literally brainwash you and condition you into the reality. So what the hell are we giving our attention to? The news that's anxiety, fucking bad stories about the news, you know, um, reality TV, like all this shit is affecting us from a subconscious point of view. And it is rewiring your brain and causing us to think certain ways and feel certain ways. Oh my gosh, Erica, you are filled with like golden nuggets. I love it. I'm Thank you. for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. I love it. And uh, uh, you, you've written a blog and you've come on here today and you've also, like, you're so generous. You've also created a resource that anyone yes. can just download and grab from the episode page. Um, so can you tell us a bit more what it is and how people can use it? Okay. So basically what it is, is a way for, it's an NLP technique and mm-hmm. NLP is basically like a new way to think. NLP is not some weird ass shit. Believe me, guys, I wouldn't get into it if it was. Y'all know I'm keeping it real. So it's basically a new way to think about yourself and to not make yourself feel like bad or wrong about thinking certain ways and be able to see two options in your life. The option of you living small, living negatively, living, thinking that you're not good enough, living in that space. And the option of you living from a space of infinite possibilities, being your highest, best self, going for the things you want. And then you get to sit back and look at the two columns and choose, do I want to be this person over here? That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Or do I want to step into this person over here? So the process, um, basically the resource is you take one statement, one thought, one, a thought is basically um, like a belief, you know, something mm-hmm. that you think negatively about yourself. So I'm going to use you, for example, because you have 
created such a fucking amazing community of Melbourne mothers Mm -hmm. and you've just killed it. Like you've just really built that village that we lack and that connection online where we all are as we're breastfeeding kids at 4am, you know, and (laughs) it's, it feels like we're not lonely. So thank you for for you being who you are and saying yes to that work because it's so necessary and needed and it's impacting many. So what you do is you take the statement, let's pretend that you're the person and you say, you know, um, I'm, I'm scared to start my business cause I don't know if it'll be good enough. So I'm fear of failure to start motherhood Melbourne. So you would write, you know, I'm scared to start my business because I don't know if it's going to be shit or if anybody's going to be there. You write the statement at the top and then on the left hand side of this, of this amazing little download that you have, it says, what are the costs? So what are the impacts of you believing that thought? So you write the negative thought that's running your world right now. Pick as many as you want. Print this shit 50 times if you have to. Yeah. Um, I do this. I, I really want you to do this because it's really important because it will crush bullshit beliefs and give you awareness and awareness is huge because then you can change it. Mm-hmm. So you write down, what does it cost you, Holly, when you believe that thought and when you act on that thought? So for example, if you didn't do your business because you're shit scared, no one's going to like it and it's not going to go well. What does it cost you? So it costs me, it costs me, Holly, um, my business, you know, it costs me my happiness because I don't get to go for the thing I want to go for. It costs me not taking any action. It costs me staying home with my kids and not going for the business I want to create. It costs me staying in a job I fucking hate. It costs me not being abundant or making any money for myself. It costs me experiences, opportunities. Uh, it costs me not connecting and helping other mothers. That's a big cost. Yeah. Now other mothers don't get to you know, imagine if motherhood Melbourne didn't exist listeners. Can you believe that? Oh my God, mother, like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't be able to have this podcast or you wouldn't be helping women as you're helping them. So that's all the cost. So what are the impacts of you believing that bullshit thought up there? You write that in the list on the left hand side or the first list. Yeah. And And they're all negative. Oh, sorry. And I was going to say, Erica, do you know, I actually sat on the idea of motherhood Melbourne for about a year before I started it because I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when I, when I did start it, when I, started it I didn't put my name there I didn't show my face I was scared that people would like really embrace it if they saw who was behind it like you know like wow um I I didn't tell anyone I didn't tell my friends I didn't tell my husband until I actually launched it and then I finally said oh I've just started this thing and it's kind of going okay like I think people did you see that so when it started going okay (laughs) then you went I'm okay here I am. See, yeah. we didn't even plan this. What a great segue this know, is. See, know, we didn't plan this, guys, I, I promise. I know, but I yeah. like, yeah, I missed out. I always think, like, what if I'd started a year earlier? Like, where would I be at this point if I had started, you know, when I really had come up with the idea instead of, like, just continually being scared? Like, I have made the most amazing connections, and I feel like my of life course. is so full of, like, amazing mums that have really helped me, especially now as a second time mum because the first time yeah. I just you know I found that such a horrific experience but yeah. second time around I feel like I have a village like I feel like I have yeah. mothers to turn to and I've, I've just enjoyed the experience because of all the people that I've met through motherhood Melbourne like you yeah so, yeah wow yeah like yeah, okay sorry yeah, go on go on with the second no time. I love that <laughs> but that's the thing it's like oh my god so you you see and I really this side y'all if you do this I really, and by the way, just as a side note, writing is the number one key. Like mothers are like, I don't have time. Well, sit on the toilet and write on your phone in the notes section. I don't care. (laughs) But if you don't get it out of your head and you think it in your head, if you do this list in your head, listener, this shit's not going to work because Mm -hmm. your brain is going to trick you into thinking you got it and you don't have shit. 
So get yeah. it on paper. So you write the list, right? Bam, it sucks. The list on the left is horrible. Then you go to the list on the right. And the list on the right is, I want you to be a child and get into your creative imagination mind. I want you to get into childhood, you know, curiosity. And I want you to pretend, let's pretend it was the total opposite. And instead of you saying the statement at the top, it's the opposite. It's, you know, I am so excited. My business is rocking its world and it's going to be fucking awesome and impact many. And really, by the way, Holly's business is that. So y'all know it is true. So you pretend at the time of your writing this, let's say it was a year ago and you say the opposite. So how do you feel? So the right hand side is how do you feel now? So it's in the current present statement. You're not writing. I would feel happy. You're writing. I feel happy. So how would you feel now if this was the opposite and you've already got what you want in regards to the statement? So you would say, I feel so fulfilled. I'm impacting so many lives. I've made my own tribe of mothers. Everything Holly just said, right? Like that's the right hand side. And it's like, you know, I have a, I, I, my second child, when I had my second child, it was so much easier. I feel happy. I feel fulfilled. My work is helping people. I can create, this is my business and it's hard work, but I love it. And I'm doing impactful work and I'm becoming abundant and blah, 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 all these beautiful things. And I want you to write it in. I am not, I will have, it will be, I am now. And when you finish writing that list, I want you to reread that list and tell me how big your fucking smile is because it feels amazing yeah. to read the list on the right-hand side. And that idea, and, and I won't get too brainy on you, but the idea is your mind and your body do not know the difference when you think a thought. Your body doesn't know if it's true or you're making it up. So when you, when you think a thought that is sucky and you feel shit about it and you feel anxious, just thinking the thought right? Do you think the thought that a meteor is going to come and kill Australia and we're going to be bombed by a fucking nuclear bomb from Korea? It's a shit thought. It makes you feel really scared. And you can literally think it in your head and go into how scary it will be. And your whole body thinks that you are there experiencing it. You will start to build chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline. Your body will try to go into flight or fright battle mode, literally from your thought. We're the only species that has this amazing ability. Or you go into the, the side on the right and go, I am happy. I'm abundant. My business is rocking. I'm impacting women. Oh my God, I have money. I take my kids to the zoo. I travel. I have sponsorship. I'm running events. I have community. Oh my God, I'm amazing. I feel great. Your whole body is like feeling all of the dopamine, the oxytocin, all of those chemicals start to come into your body. And then your body thinks it just happened. Your body's like, oh my God, and your body becomes a map to the future for you to manifest what you want. And this isn't like spiritual woo-woo. This is like science, quantum physics. And now your body is like, I just did that. And all you have to do is continuously on the list on the right, read it, read it, fucking build a vision board with the list on the right. Read it, read it, read it, write it every day, write it every night. Believe that. Sit in that feeling of it's happened. My business is amazing. It's impacting women. Oh my God, I'm amazing. Instead of sitting on the list on the left, Yes. Because the list on the right, that feeling that you can keep for yourself all day, as long as you can keep the feeling, literally, magically, because we're all fucking waves and we're all energy, it will start to bring itself towards you and you will start to get opportunities like you've created for yourself. And you'll be like, oh my God, it's happening. And then that, that happeningness of it going well will fuel you to continue to continue to make it bigger and greater for yourself and forget about the list on the left, it's gone. But I want you to know when you step back into the list on the left, that's your old bullshit self. And I want you to know what it's like. So that's why we write it because I want you to be able to define who the, who is that list on the left. And anytime you catch yourself putting your little leg over there, you go, oh shit, nope, I'm in the old bullshit list. I don't want to be there. I want to be in the new list. 
So you can really start to see the two yous that you can be and you don't want to be the old you. And it allows you to really start. And, and the list on the right, your homework is go do a vision board and find photos that highlight that experience. You with women, with, you know, you write your name of your business, you speaking, you know, you with other mothers, whatever it is, you being abundant with your family, traveling to Greece. So you start creating a vision board and then everything you see is that reality on the right. And you will create that reality for yourself instead of the other bullshit that you've already had, which sucks ass and nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants that. No. Nobody wants that. <laughs> oh my gosh, Erica, thank you so much for creating that resource. Oh God, and that will pleasure. be available for free. Anyone Yay. can download it um, on the episode page. And I just want to say, yeah, just from a personal point of view, thank you so much for having a huge impact on my life. But I'm so happy to oh, be able to share. You you with everyone else now and I hope I appreciate that it so people much <laughs> really you know like go and grab that resource and if they feel that they need to work on any elements in their life that they come and see you so they can have what they deserve and what they want totally thank you so much Charlie oh, and, and yeah I I'm, I'm just love what you're doing I think it's so fabulous you're such an angel thank you thank you thank you oh, thank you <laughs> What did I tell you? Erica is the real deal. Straight talking mama that is so passionate about helping you make positive changes in your life. And that awesome resource that we were talking about at the end is available for free on Motherhood Melbourne. Just jump over to the podcast episode page to download it now and start filling it out. Like Erica said, you have to write these things down for change to start happening. I hope you've walked away with your mind blown and the confidence to start taking action to live the life you want. In fact, I'd love for you to share your learnings with Erica and I. Jump on over to your Insta stories. Let us know what you loved about this episode and tag Motherhood Melbourne and the Queen of Confidence in your story and we'll reshare it. Can't wait to hear from you. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with me. 